Welcome to Cleveland's newest and Cleveland's best sports podcast. This is Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Let's go. I'm your host, uh, RP. And I'm your other host, Big Sean. Hope everyone's doing well this evening after a Browns victory. What's going on, brother? Nothing much, man. Same old, same old. Staying out the way. Uh, trying not to get too stressed out and have a coronary watching these fools. Um, well, other than that, it, I'm good. Make it easy. <laughs> no, they sure don't. <laughs> they sure don't. They wouldn't be the Cleveland Browns if, if they made things easy. If we could just you watch the game for, for two and a half, three hours, and it's it's from start to finish, it's, it's clear that we're going to walk away with a win. That, that rarely happens here. Uh, that rarely happens. We haven't had one of those. And I'm I sure we had a couple last season at some point. Well, I can't remember which ones, but uh, the, we uh, had a couple this season. We had the Bears. The Bengals game was like that, wasn't it? What's that now? The Bengals game was like that. Yeah, the Bengals game when we beat the Bears. Uh, you can kind of say the, the Texans game, you know, after the first quarter. So, yeah, we've had some, but like I said, it's few and far between. You know, but that's the NFL really period, though, man. Most NFL games are, you know, really between like what four to seven point differences in the yeah. final score. So, and then you see somebody go up, and then you know, like the Thursday night game where you see uh, Minnesota basically just take off on the Steelers, and then you find out the Steelers only lost by six points. <laughs> right. You know I mean? like, man, just like the 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 Buffalo Tampa game that just went off. I mean, uh, uh, Tampa was yeah. up what twenty-seven to three or something like that, twenty-seven to six. And then next thing y'all know, like the the uh, Bengals Forty Nine er game goes off and they flip to the Bills. Uh, um, that game, game in the overtime, right? I'm like, whoa, yeah. like what happened? Yeah, that game literally just went off because I said the same thing when I started. You know, like came and sat down because I made dinner for the kids or whatever came and sat down and actually started, you know, kind of watching TV. I'm like, this game's still on. Like, I was expecting to turn it on and see the, uh, see the, you know, the pregame for, for Sunday night. I didn't expect to see right. doggone uh, uh, afternoon game still, still on at 8 o'clock. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, our, our uh, game, our guys, the Browns, uh, First game in in two weeks. You know we we were just discussing how last week we had to buy, and uh, how it was a little bit of a stressful, or excuse me, stress free uh, Sunday last week. And our hope, if you go back to our last show, uh, which would have been our Sunday uh, post game show after the Browns Ravens game, we actually talked about what we might see uh, from the Browns coming into this. Uh, game against the Ravens again, but at home this time and after the bye. Like, would we see a difference in their energy? Would we see a difference in maybe the play calling or the schemes? Um, I wasn't 100% sure, and I wasn't even 100% sure today. Uh, when you text me today, uh, giving me what you thought was going to be the final score, what I say? I say, I, I, I still ain't yeah, sure. Right, right, right. You said you had no idea what to expect. I just don't know what to expect. Um, I would love, like, as a fan, I wanted to say, oh, yeah, I'm sure after two weeks they, they, they figured something out. But 
from what I've been seeing, I haven't, you know, been super impressed. So I guess having said all of that, do you did you feel like the two weeks off? I know you didn't see the very very beginning, but did you feel like there was a difference uh, after the two weeks? Did you see something different? Did you see something good, bad? Um, not necessarily, and I don't think that's necessarily a negative thing. Um, mm -hmm. The positives I saw, like the defense was still bringing the same energy they did the last game. As the last game, we played Baltimore. You know, they were being physical, flying all over the field and kind of keeping uh, Lamar Jackson in check. Um, offensively, um, the passing game in the first half looked a little bit more um, we were able to move the ball some, you know, jumped up on them real early. Um, the thing that didn't change was that the play calling is still suspect offensively. You know, um, like you've been saying, it's almost like he's trying to figure stuff out as he goes. Like he's not confident, you know, in what he's calling. And it's kind of showing. And I think sometimes the offense, offense doesn't have any confidence in um, Stefanski's play calling or even use of personnel, um, you know, for that matter. Because uh, at first I thought, okay, we got two tight ends out. Maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Or maybe we'll, you know, right. get out of that three tight end set some. But no, nah, I saw two guys I've never heard of before in my life. Um, <laughs> saw them in that lineup quite a bit. Um, <laughs> so I said, <laughs> Stefanski was the most stubborn coach on earth. Like he's going to run his system no, no matter what. It's going to be the system. You like know, the system for him is the system. And, uh, I guess, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, you're fine, man. Go ahead. I, I, I think, I think for me, I, I fall, I fall into kind of the same category. I don't know that I felt good or bad about what I. Now I'll tell you what: the first three plays, we, when we came out, the first three plays we went three and out. That for me, I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me? You had two weeks, and you go three and out, and they were all passes." All three of them were passed. Oh wow! So the first the first play was a, a short play, like a three yard pass maybe, uh, to uh, to Hooper and he dropped it. So a the drop on the very first pass and then b a three yard pass on the very first and it was a play action. So it's like okay, so y'all so you still not running? Okay, then he go to second down. He throws it again. Still no run. Now it's third and longer. Not super long but third and longer and they just do like a little dump pass and you know you know we straighten out i say you you here's here's my thing and i know a lot of the plays are connected so if you know this first down play works and you get four or five yards the second down play is kind of complementary to that play right you know what i mean especially the scripted plays that's why it's scripted you think that these are the plays that should work we should get X off of that. Once we go into this next play, that'll make this play easier. That'll make that play work. And I didn't see any connectivity in between those in between those three. And we're talking about that's a super small sample size, I know. But I was always, I'm kind of hypercritical, especially when you get a week or two to game plan. Yeah, two weeks. I felt like you should understand a couple of things. It's going to be tough to run on these guys, but we got to run on these guys. So just run the ball. 
They were eight men in a box when they started out. They ran eight men in a box most of the most of the first half. They only kind of came out of that in the second half. And they still were in the box. They were just moving around a little bit better. But what I saw after that drive was much better. I saw some of the things that I have been trying to figure out why we weren't doing anyway, especially when you have that many guys in the box, not just spreading people out, but you saw guys going in motion, like moving uh, a player out of, out, of the, out of the box. I saw people going out into the flat, taking a, a, a linebacker with them. So it, it did at least look like they tried to address some stuff, some stuff. And again, the first half, I don't think I was upset with the play calling. Right. There was some stuff here and there. I, yeah. I still felt like we should have ran a little bit more, but I, I can't say that I was upset. And a lot of that was the defense, uh, the defense's fault. The defense played really, really well in the first half. They, they were, like you said, they were super aggressive. They were active. Um, they made, for one of the first times in a, in, in a while, this is like two games in a row, where we've made contact tackles. And if you guys don't know what that means, I mean, first contact tackle, bam, this guy's down. We're not like, these guys ain't breaking tackles and getting to the second guy. We right. actually do this guy, putting him on the ground with the first contact. So this is two games in a row where that's happened. Denzel had two huge tackles today. Uh, JOK was JOK. He was all over the place. Um, Miles was all over the place. Uh, he got one holding call today. There was at least 10. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what? He's getting a, he's getting a Shaquille O'Neal treatment, basically. He is. That's, he's that's so how he's being officiated. Yeah. Yeah, because the refs are like, the refs are like, look, man, look, we can't call holding on every pass play because just you got to either a quit getting back here so fast or b, right. you know, you got to fall down. I mean, my man fell all the way. It took this dude falling all the way on a uh, villain away with the fall all the way on top of him for them to call the hold. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 here's but the under but the next step they ain't call it. right now. Here's my biggest gripe of the whole game um, outside of the play calling. The play calling, I, I give him like a C. Wasn't okay. horrible, wasn't great. I understand that football one-on-one says if they put nine in the box, you're supposed to throw the football to, you know, to back them out of it. I understand that. But still, you have to, you know, do what you do best at some point or do some type of variation of it. They, they weren't creative. Screen passes and stuff seemed like that we stopped doing that. We did a couple of days, but not mm-hmm. enough, not like we were doing. And but, that, I agree with that. I agree with that. Point. Yeah, but but my, my biggest gripe is his overall game management. So in the fourth quarter, when Baltimore is starting to really make their run and, you know, they're doing up-tempo, we had three timeouts, you know, on the board late in that game. When you see the defense is a disarray and out of position, use one. Call the timeout. You can't take those home with you. Most likely, the way the game was going at that point in time, you probably weren't going to need, you know, for a final drive. We had a a nice lead, but you don't want to give up that lead. Right. Use the timeout and kind of get your your guys back in order. Because we were this, I mean, I was like, 
what are you doing? It's almost like he was confused over there. And I think at times he is, but and I but here's the thing, I agree with what you're saying and where you're going because when you have that kind of league, as I think at that point when they started kind of making their bit of a run, it's twenty-four to nine. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were nibbling like the whole game. They were field goal here, field goal yeah, there. Yeah, Kind of nibbling away at the lead. But you could feel, like, especially in the second half, you could kind of feel that there was a momentum shift. Like, we didn't do much on offense. And my, to me, the second half play calling was terrible. Uh, and more, more of it had to do with them being – they went mega conservative, like super safe. Like, we don't want to yeah. do nothing that's going to – gonna ruin this thing and you know this you know we, we got this old adage especially here in cleveland you don't want to do we hate to prevent defense but man i hate to prevent offense too because it just leads to you losing you you what game have you ever you are, have been a competitor i've been a competitor what game do you prepare for that's that you say uh you go into the game and you say when I start winning, I got to play safe. You don't ever say yeah. that. You go into the game saying, I want to win. And actually, your thought is, I want to dominate. So how do you feel like I want to dominate? And then you take your foot off the gas. And we took our foot completely off the gas. And you know what? And I, I, they cut, they cut, you know what? We were moving the ball in the second half, but, it, it, but stuff kept happening for whatever was, reason. That was stalling. How many field goals we missed in the second half? Like two? Was it one or two? We missed, we missed one. One. Those were points that came off the board. We had one where that weird sequence where um, the referees made Baker leave the game. Um, they they called and, it from upstairs. Yeah, they called it from upstairs. Then we had got their first down. There's a phantom holding call, and then something else happened. Yeah, it wasn't a whole, and, and that kind of blew that drive. But we had driven down in their territory. They were moving, but we were being conservative. But it was just weird. It was like weird things that kept happening that kept stalling the drives in the second half. It felt like they was they were like the play calls were because especially after Baker threw the almost had the second pick. It seemed yeah, like yeah, yeah. it seemed like they kind of pulled back from really now. First of all. The, the, neither one of those picks should have been picks because both of those picks came at points where, to me, and I know you got to keep passing. You got to pass. You can't just do one thing. I mean, you, there, and you don't got to keep passing, but I understand everybody is not going to be Bill Belichick who just decides, nope, we ain't passing at all. No, we don't. <laughs> right. Like, that's a, that's a, he's a maniac. And I ain't, and listen, right. there ain't nothing wrong with that because they won and he knows how to win. And sometimes you have to lean on what you're going to do or what you're going to do well and what you, maybe what you don't do well. Maybe today is the day we just going to do this. So I'm cool with that train of thought. But uh, Bill Belichick is one of one. Kevin Stefanski ain't even close to, to that in terms of organization or play call. You know, at least Bill allows his guys to call the plays. That allows Bill to be that maniacal. I'm sure when he walked into that damn office that day, he said, hey, all those pass plays, take them out. We're not doing none of them. <laughs> We're not doing none of them. <laughs> all At all. I'm not allowing this dude to lose this game for us. 
I'm not going, I'm, it's not happening. Take those damn play calls, those pass calls out. Stefanski ain't going to do that. So I get that they're going to still uh, try to throw passes with Baker. Uh, Baker didn't look terrible. Uh, he looked good early on, but, you know, ultimately he just was basic again. And not, I wouldn't even say that in a negative way, to be honest. He did enough for us to win, but I wasn't blown away by anything he did. It was, he, he just did what he normally does. So it's not even like you felt like, yo, this dude is, is, is cooking right now. Let's keep the ball in his hand. It, he was, he was spot on early on. And then in the second half, he was, uh, I think something like six for 13 or six for 14 for 40 something yards. Like that's not, what we saw in the first half. That's not what happened in the first half. So if you're going to keep throwing, keep throwing the same type of stuff that you were throwing earlier. Keep running the same types of plays that you were running early. It was good to see Nick run the ball more. I, I, I was appreciative of that. Um, and I think it did keep them guys off because Nick, even though he didn't like blow these guys out or blow those guys up, he probably had 60 of the toughest yards he ever had in his career. Yeah, in his life, yeah. And and back to what you were saying that Kevin Stefanski is playing it safe. He even plays it safe with his players, man. Kareem Hunt got dinged up early, and then you didn't see him the rest of the game. You see him on the sidelines kind of itching to get back And he had his helmet on. He had his helmet on. He had his helmet on, and he didn't put him back in. It was like and, – and I understand that you don't want him to get hurt, but if he's able to go, let him go. Listen – you know what I'm saying? Or if not, if, or if he's not able to go, take his helmet off and yeah. have him in the locker room getting treatment. Yeah. Or whatever, so getting ready for the next game. Because we don't have room for you know nobody else, especially going into these and it's funny, man, because as much as we um dog Joe Woods most of the season, he's the one that's being the aggressor. Let me tell you now, something. And and Stefanski is the one that's being that's playing soft. And I, we were dogging Joe, Joe Woods were playing soft. I actually you know. said that. I truly I did. I said this in one of my Facebook. Uh I think in the second half, dude was dude was feeling like we, we went soft in the second half. And we did. I think both sides of the ball. We we they, we didn't go into we weren't being as aggressive early in the second half, uh defensively. And I saw you know, they, they just kind of inched, inched their way into the game <clears throat> until they were just in the game. A couple of those, like that catch uh, old boy had down the sideline in front of Greedy. That was just that was just a great adjustment. Um, yeah. It was good. It was decent coverage. It was just a great adjustment. I don't think it was a great pass. It was a great adjustment. And dude, just I mean, what you gonna do? Because had he not made that move, he wasn't gonna make that catch. But the, the defense wasn't still sending pressure. They weren't still coming after these guys like they were early on. And then they kind of kicked it back up. Once they kicked right. it back up. We and and I, think, to... I think a lot of that was them not being able to sub either once they went up tempo, which is so why probably, yeah, I was like, probably... when, they start getting, when they start getting frazzled and kind of in disarray, call a timeout, settle down, and you can get your players, you know, get a breather. So I think we still ended that game with, Two timeouts on the board. 
Maybe all yeah. three, but at least there two. There was also a period where there was a, a nice stretch where Miles wasn't on the field uh, in yeah. the second half. Uh, you know, they just had like Tack out there and uh, what's my other guy on the other side? Because uh, him or Clowney were in. And I was thinking to myself, why the hell aren't either one of these dudes on the field? Like to me, they need to be on the field. One of them need to be on the field at all times. At all times, exactly. Now, I, I um, Tack did have another good game again. Tack had a great game, actually. And the Malik's had a matter of fact, go ahead and. Uh, I need I need y'all to offer Tack McKinley a multi-year deal. Go ahead and get, keep him in the fold. I'll even bring Clowney. I don't know if Clowney wants to come back. I don't know if he does either. I'd even go because really, and this might sound like an overstatement. When we look back on things, you know, see how things played out, how things play out later on in the season. Today, beyond Clowney, may have saved the season. He might have. Did that uh, sack in, in the fourth quarter to make it third and twenty? Bro. was a huge, huge play. Came up in because a big after, yeah, because when, when Baltimore got that onside kick, I had just impending doom. Listen, man, course through my through the veins I of wanted, my body. I, I said, "You got." <laughs> I, I was like, say, <laughs> I wanted to say that uh, discussion about that onside kick. For its own little segment. Because well, we can do it now. Let me tell you something. So it's at this was at a point in the game where we uh, who on the freaking planet Earth didn't know what was coming after that touchdown. It's and you know it, we we getting inside of, of, of the game being over with here shortly. Right. So they need the ball back. They're they're losing. What do you think is coming up on this kickoff? I, I don't know that you have to be a football savant <laughs> to know what is getting ready to come. If you watch, the casual fan should have been able to look at the situation and say to themselves, hey, man, they're getting ready to try onside kick. Now, I know that these kickers nowadays, man, they, they do all kind of backflip kicks and a uh, little little right. switch. like it used to be just kicked it off the tee onto the ground and let it roll now these guys are kicking behind they you know so they're doing crazy <laughs> little stuff. right but we all know what's getting ready to happen you mean to tell me Genovich had no idea that this dude was about to kick short he just uh, he, he just <laughs> are you kidding me man are he you wasn't kidding? even looking for the ball. At, I mean, dude, at all, you going to block somebody. You going, man, you need, okay, nothing's wrong with you want, wanting to do your primary job. But, you know, situations change what your primary job might be. If you were looking for the ball, then you just could have secured it. You could have just fell on the ball. And but you. Janovich was, right in fact, Janovich was tripping. He was tripping all game because when they were doing the kickoff shorts, the short kickoffs, he was catching them trying to run. I'm like, dude, if you don't, if you don't just if fall big down, just take a knee. I'm like, what just are you doing? Down, just catch that mug and, and, and fall down. Like, exactly. I mean, but listen, tell me how you was aware and ready for that, but you wasn't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when they got that onside kick, listen in my mind, I was like, that's game. I'm like, game over. Listen I let the Browns so, start doing what the Browns do. 
I'm about to be sick. I said, I'm going to be in a bad mood for the rest of the day. It's not, I, I was like, I, I I was just like, I can't believe it. Yeah, I, I, was, I can't I believe was, this is happening. I was dumbfounded. Like, I was so dumbfounded. I said, I said, I can't touch my phone because I'm about to put like the most angry post on Facebook. Right. Touch my phone. I just left the phone because I couldn't believe it. I was sitting there like, how, how does this, I mean, how does this continue? How do we continue to find ways, new and creative ways, to new and creative ways, to blow games or to put ourselves in and, tough situations? And on top of that, how lucky do the Ravens have to get? That's the they the luckiest team in the NFL. They All are the, like you know what? That's they, not they, win, they win a lot of their games on broken plays. Oh, Play yeah. breaks down. And they throw up oh, yeah. some old crap with Lamar runs, you know, and nothing yeah. but Lamar Jackson yeah. Jr. He's a clone of Lamar. Man, that dude was that dude was was after, especially after halftime. Like he came out, yeah. it was I don't know if if coming in early gave him, you know, kind of like the butterflies or whatever because he didn't look great at first, but coming out in the second half, like he he was totally comfortable. They were running some of the same stuff. A couple of his balls, honestly. Yeah, but but I, I knew that was going to happen, though. I knew he was going to get comfortable because, for one, other coaches make adjustments better than we do. And you can't – listen, That's here's my thing. What happened to the coaching uh, thought process that says, yo, we got the second-string quarterback in. We, And he younger. He's a younger guy. Man, we about to just send heat, see how he deals with yeah. it. Like, and they did it. They did it in spurts. They did it, in, but this is what I'm saying: to hell with a spurt. Put right. the game on this second string quarterback. Like again, I, that goes right into what you just said. Other teams make adjustments better than we do. Like we didn't say to ourselves, "Oh, Lamar out." No, we about to go ahead and put heat on these guys. We about to take them out of here because that guy ain't finna win this game. Right. They didn't say that. They said, "Well, we've already dialed up, and he's pretty similar." So let's just stay in our pocket. That's okay, but that ain't okay all the time. Like you have to be right. willing to, to, to make uh the full fledged adjustment, uh, full fledged adjustments. And I don't know that we've done that, but I will say this completely and totally honest, uh without uh without Joe Woods and how he called this game today and it's saying something, this is saying a lot. This is a guy whose job I've called for. I don't subscribe to that same um, uh, ethos that you don't tell somebody or you don't call for somebody to get fired. Now, as a manager, I don't want to fire nobody. But as a fan, I want everybody to get fired every week <laughs> in most cases. Exactly. Um, as a commentator, as a podcast host, I'm I'm kind of on the fence, but I won't call for a guy's job unless I feel like that job needs to be uh, changed or replaced. And trust me, Joe Woods has been awful the majority of the year. I will have to be the most honest person on the planet and eat some of those words from earlier because we would not have won this game. Yeah, but, but we pride ourselves on being fair. You know, we give criticism when it's due and we give praise when it's due. Now, you had mentioned earlier about your feelings coming into this game and you didn't know what to expect. Um, 
couple of things that had got my antennas raised um, this week, and I had to change my perspective on a couple of things. Miles um, Garrett had came out and said on Wednesday that they weren't practicing hard enough. And, you know, they didn't show the intensity. And at first I was like, these fools really don't get it. They really <laughs> don't care about winning. They didn't check out on, on, on the coach. You know, they're kind of just going through the motions or whatnot. But then I kind of thought about it. Miles is a smart guy. Miles is not going to get up there and give away you know, you're basically telling the Ravens, hey, we 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 practice and soft, you know, we not ready, blah, 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 blah. Kind of giving them like a psychological advantage. I think what Miles was doing was basically trying to piss his teammates off. Not that they weren't practicing hard or anything like that. He was like, I need we need some more, you know, these guys need to have an understanding of what this game means. So I'm just gonna say some flips. I've never I've never heard a player come out and say that and i'm sure it's been done at some point in time but i i don't i've never heard it personally where a player just calls his, his guys out me and it's like we ain't playing hard enough so but then i was like oh no what he's not they're okay he's just trying to stoke that flame and stoke that fire he's being a leader in his in his own way mm -hmm. um then he said they asked him about defensive player of the year and he was like I don't care about that right now. He was like, that don't mean nothing if we don't make the playoffs. Like, I'm trying to win Super Bowls. That's the first time I've heard a Browns player um, say that. Most of them play it safe. You know, we're trying to take one game at a time. Uh, we want to win a division, handle that, then make the playoffs and go from that. That's the first time I've heard a Browns player um, say, hey, basically, I'm, I'm trying to win. He was like, I forget about the individual accolades. I'm trying to win a Super Bowl. So I was like, okay, they're, you know, kind of refocusing on these last five games of the season. Maybe they're going to try, you know, starting to get their act together a little bit. So I kind of started feeling more positive going into the week, you know, based on that. What did you think about his comments? Uh, well, I appreciated him, first of all. Um, it's kind of refreshing to me to have a player that you consider a leader or that you, I mean, we all know the talent that the dude has. Usually we have a uber, uber talented guy who ain't saying nothing. They, right. they kind of, you know, kind of aloof or kind of like you want them to do more, say more, you want them to lead more and they don't. Uh, this guy, you know, in his first couple years and leave uh, here anyway, I don't know that he was as, uh, vocal, but he's definitely been way more vocal this year. This ain't the first time he said something quote-unquote controversial. I don't think nothing, when you that good, like when you, and I'm just going to do it from a football standpoint, not, I ain't going to go to the to basketball and other superstars. When you're Michael Strahan and Michael Strahan says they ain't practicing hard enough, guess what? What you going to say to Michael Strahan? Nothing. Exactly. He, he is the leader on that squad. When uh, Michael Irvin say whatever he going to say, that's Michael Irvin. So this is your guy. The best player on the Cleveland Browns football team is Miles Garrett. He's the best player. He's number one. There ain't a better player on that team 
and Miles Garrett. So when Miles Garrett says something opposite of what the coach says, because the coach came out and said, oh, yeah, guys are flying all over the field and they were doing this, doing that. Right. And that's what he was – they asked him that. He said, well, they ain't doing good enough. Compared to what I've seen, they ain't doing good enough. And I do think he was trying to piss – I think he was trying to piss everybody off, not just – right. Not just uh, the players. I think he was trying to piss the coach off too. Because consider this, they've already had a sit-down meeting. They've already talked to him and uh, Stefanski. Like a private meeting after he said whatever he said uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, where he was like, whoa, it seems like, you know, he might be stepping outside of bounds, blah, blah, blah. But when you're the guy, listen, man, I'm the guy. And I need to be able to, to motivate my team. Because he was right when he said, remember earlier in the season when he was like, hey, listen, if I'm occupying two and three guys, you telling me one of these dudes can't make a play? Right. People were like, oh, he's calling out his teammates. Spoken like fans that ain't used to winning. Sometimes you got to call your teammates out. I tell you what, say whatever you want to say. Now I'm getting ready to make a basketball analogy. Say whatever you want to say. There's a reason Kobe had five titles. There's a reason. Mike has six. Sometimes you got to call these cats out. Sometimes you got to call Shaq fat. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you got you got to punch Steve Kirk. You have to do what you got to do as the leader. And this guy is the leader, the best player on the team. I'm never going unless he's going like completely overboard like outlandishly going overboard. But I don't think that what he said or did was outlandishly overboard. No, it, it, it really wasn't. But and, and the funny thing is, here, here's what's crazy about, about people the, in the media and the fans. We always say we're tired of the same cookie-cutter responses in these press conferences. It's so dry, it's boring, never give us anything, blah, 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 blah. And then when they finally give you something, Oh, he's being a bad team, and he's calling out his players and all that. Like, y'all can't have it. He gave you something juicy to talk about. That's what y'all been wanting. You can't have you know? it. He's being honest. And I would prefer yeah. honesty. Honest, honestly, I I would prefer a dude say, like, I would prefer somebody say, man, listen, man, I'm, I'm so sick of, and, you know, boom, 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 boom. I'm just sick of it. I'm tired of losing. One of the best, one of my favorite quotes ever is Josh Chris when he said, man, somebody was like, well, we almost won. We kind of came close. And he turned around, looked at that dude, was like, man, we always almost win. Right. <laughs> like, that's a real statement. That's a frustrated, agitated, but real statement. I can't imagine what those guys went through, the guys that was here. When they were friends, they were kind of fringe good anyway like an uh, eight and eight season for us would have been awesome during those times yeah but when you're five and ten every i mean five and eleven every year four and twelve every year six and ten you know what i mean you always right there you frustrated i wonder how i wonder how like joe thomas and josh cribs and phil dawson really feel uh, like the browns are like a little bit better now i wonder how they do they do they feel like they have a little bit of envy that they're not able to say they have I would say that they would have to I would you know honestly like I I look at guys 
and I know this is kind of off, kind of off topic, but I look at guys who've played a long time that kind of retired or, or uh, stepped out or got traded or whatever, right before things changed, like Don Mattingly, dude played in, in, in New York all that time, and they never yeah. won the World Series while he was there. And it literally two years after he was gone, they won the first of, of five championships over the next seven or eight years. You know what I mean? Like, like, damn, you one of the greats. You know, same thing with like Mark Grace. You play all those years and you don't get you don't get that. You don't get the opportunity to to win. Um, it, it sucks. It has to suck when you're a great player or uh at least a great to the franchise type of player. Um, right. Joe Thomas or a guy that for, a, you know, a season or two or a season or three was really, really integral to what we were doing. Like a Josh Cribbs. It sucks that you belong to that particular franchise or that particular part of that franchise. Right. Um, so I, I would say that it has to suck at least a little bit, you know, it, it has to suck a little bit to, to watch yeah. this team be at least uh, remotely better. But I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a um. Before I get too far to the left, I want to bring it back a little bit because I I kind of been reading and hearing a few things here and there. So you were just saying about you know kind of the controversial comments of Miles. Part of what made those those comments controversial was that the coach felt a certain kind of way and miles kind of felt a little bit different. So the coach, I think it's, we spoke on this uh, last show. I believe the coach is in over his head. I think he's trying. And I actually think he's a solid coach. He's just doing too much. Why am I, why am I saying that? Why am I bringing this up? Well, earlier in the week or last week, uh, what's his name? Kurt Warner came up with this, uh, he broke down some of Baker's plays from the first mm -hmm. game. And I watched parts of it. It was BS. And I'm only saying it was BS because you can't pick you can't pick a drive. You can't pick two drives or pick the first half and say, yeah, if you look at that, that ain't none of this Baker's fault. None of it. You can't just blame Baker. I, I understand what you're saying. But it's more to the game than that. And I'm not just trying to blame Baker either. What I'm saying is his whole point in that was trying to prove that everything ain't Baker's fault. Nobody here anyway is saying everything is Baker's fault. I don't think that I know that we are uh, are not on this show. Right. We're not saying everything is Baker's fault. We just put at Baker's feet what belongs at Baker's feet. So right. they end up doing an interview, Baker and uh Ba woo, Baker and uh, Kurt Warner. And in the interview, it kind of comes out that Baker ain't too happy with the way that the plays have been called. He kind of suggested that there's been a lot of stuff that he's been dealing with. It ain't just been the outside noise. It's some of this internal stuff, too. Yeah, I heard about but, that. I didn't watch the interview, but I, I heard them talking about that. I was just like, I was like, see? Sean, always, I always laugh at you for this. I always laugh at you for this because it always seems like a like an episode of, of Star Wars or something. You you always talk about your factions 
Like, like this group over right. there, that group over there. But the truth of the matter is, probably all in any locker room, good, bad, or indifferent, there's probably always factions. There's probably always these folks. And it just depends on how the team goes as to when that stuff is going to come out. Right. Like, where, how close are we hearing that kind of stuff, especially? especially with four games left in the season. How close are we to this whole damn thing falling apart, you think? Like within within the locker room, that is. Um, winning cures everything. So if they win, they'll be fine. If they blow this game against the Raiders next week, then you'll start probably hearing some more griping, some more grumbling, and it could fall off the rails at that point in time because the next week is a winnable game, another game you got to win, and you're at home. National television. Yeah, that's so that's game. that's where they are. Like right now, um, the Browns are very in a very fragile place mentally. It's been a rough season. You dealt with injuries. You had to deal with the um, the noise with the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. You got people's family members tweeting, Still. going crazy. You got a coach that's confused all of a sudden, who's big on organization, having the organization. Now he ain't got it together, and they're barely holding on. Um, you know, they basically get you know hanging on by by a ribbon right now. So as long as they win, and they win, they'll be fine. You know, I, think I don't so. know. Um, I mean, here's the thing, and and, and kind of like kind of leading into where um, we were talking about in our in our pregame meeting, not pregame meeting, but pre-show meeting um, about some things that I've been observing the last couple of weeks. All NFL teams kind of go through this at some point in time. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No matter how good you are, it's all about how you come out of it and how you handle it. Um, one thing that kind of stuck out today, because we talk about analytics a lot and how, you know, we think the Browns use it, use it a little bit too much instead of doing with gut instinct. Um, uh, John Harbaugh made one of the dumbest moves that I've seen him do in a long time where uh, they score, yeah, they, they, they scored and made the score 24 to 15. Um, instead of going for the extra point and making it a one possession game, he he, he lets to go for the two point conversion. Um, one thing a lot of people don't know is Baltimore is also heavy analytics, probably mm. more so than the Browns. They were, they've been doing this for a while. So you kind of step back then put everything in perspective you know we look at our team you know that's our team and we kind of look at them with a microscope and like well we're the only ones being idiotic only people have problems um internal strife and stuff like that it, it seems at least it seems that way um the thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hope especially after watching some of these games like everybody in the afc is flawed really every team in the nfl is flawed there's Somewhere. no, yeah, there, there's no um, juggernaut this year. For whatever reason, um, it's probably been like the most parody probably in NFL probably in, in a long time. 
So the and I say that to say this: the Browns can come out of this. Um, you know, as long as they continue to win, all that griping and all all the bickering and all of that stuff will start to go away. Um, you know, what Cincinnati lost today a tough one. Buffalo came back and they lost a tough one. And you look, you think about it, man. After all of this, all the stuff we've been through this season, all the roller coasters, all the ups and downs, all the the what's going on. Browns a game out of first place. And a matter of fact, if, if yeah, if, if we win next week, we beat the Raiders next week, and Baltimore loses to the Packers, Browns are in first place, which is weird to say. Because we don't look like a first place team at all. The Browns, like if this was probably like the old NFL, we would probably be something like five and what's our record? Seven and six. We'd be like five and eight. Because that's what we're playing like overall. We're playing like a very, very mediocre subpar football team right now. So if these guys got any pride about them, any type of, you know, if your goal is to win a championship, because we got the talent to do it. Yeah. Period. It's time just to be a grown ass man. It's like, okay, we had our issues. Are we going to come together as a team or are we going to fall apart as individuals? That's what it come down to. You know, so I'm, 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 I'm looking at it from a positive standpoint. It's like we can beat the Raiders. Green Bay will be tough, but that's they're not invincible. Then you got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. So, like I said, the Browns pretty much control their own destiny, man. So, I think we were um, in the same spot last year, though, right? We had to kind of win out, something um, like that. Yeah, going out of last year, like beating Pittsburgh, we had to beat Pittsburgh. And if we beat Pittsburgh, we got in. Um, it wasn't one of those. It wasn't one of those. We win, and then four of the teams have to lose in order right. for us to get in. So I mean, it's it's very similar. We've been in. We've been in uh, this spot before, uh, per se. But uh, it's just a matter of guys figuring it out. Um, I think right now, uh, going forward, the the way that the defense is playing. I'm encouraged because I'm starting to see, even with the guys that were out today, I was a little bit alarmed with, uh, you know, with Harrison and, uh, and Walker being out. Uh, but we still kind of covered that def those deficiencies um, from those guys not being out there. And uh, Yeah, man. Um, guys definitely said that Delpit stepped up. It was good to see Phillips back. In the lineup, I was shocked at that. I, I didn't see that come. I thought dude was done. I, he was, I thought he was done for the season, actually. Yeah, uh, and he he's a, a big part of in the future of this team. Well, I think um, JOK did his thing defensively. They're, they're starting to move. Like the defense is starting to move more like a cohesive unit. Well, I think, you know, honestly, the crazy part, everybody was saying this early on in the season. I remember Miles Garrett saying this. I remember uh, Jadavion uh, saying this. I remember uh, Joe Woods saying this. Like it's still early. Guys are still figuring out where they where they're supposed to be. What there's, if you notice, we're not seeing those big gaffes in the secondary that we were seeing before. 
you know, we're not seeing where guys are literally leaving people wide open in the in the secondary, uh, like we were in the first maybe uh, three or four weeks of the season. So guys are they're starting to understand what they're supposed to be doing, where they're supposed to be. Uh, you know, we're not even seeing guys getting beat up uh, on the corners like we were last year. Remember last year? I mean, guys were getting torched on the edges. We're not yeah. seeing uh, like we were before. So the defense is you, – you're starting to see everything is starting to come come together. And the hope is that they can continue to come together and do it while still getting healthy, you know, hopefully getting there. Because really, man, because we're going to have to rely on them. Um, I still don't have any faith in the offense. So we're going to have to really rely on that defense, man, to kind of um, hold us down for a minute. And hopefully at some point <laughs> the offense decides that they want to play. I got no faith in the offense. Uh, we scored 24 points today. But the truth is, the offense still only mustered up 17 points. 17, exactly. Because one of those touchdowns was my man behind me, Miles Garrett, with the with the uh, with the rare uh, strip sack recovery and or touchdown. touchdown. So yeah. it's uh, so. it's it's tough to expect the offense that literally for the last 10 weeks uh, has has only. 70% of the time has a scoreboard of 17 points. Right. So it's man, so One thing, too, man, I think this thing basically, and this is kind of scary what I'm about to say, um, a lot of this is going to come down to, to coaching. Yeah, listen. Um, but, you, but you know what, though? I was like, oh, man. Do you score? All right, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, I, think I, think I think he stepped up. Yeah, he might have stepped up, but they give I'm a touchdown. But um, like I said, reflect on these last two weeks. Like, you know, the, with, with them assholes having the bye week last week, and I didn't have to worry about them. I started kind of just looking at the bigger picture. Um, our coach has been coaching. Good night. Night. Our coach, our coach has been, you know, coaching pretty mediocre. But so is the rest of the NFL. And I ain't saying that's giving, you know, giving Stefanski an excuse. I'm just saying that that gives me more hope that we can get in the playoffs and maybe do some damage. But there's a lot of idiots out there. Look at Buffalo for now. And I've been saying this since, since last year. They've been praising, you know, Josh Allen and Buffalo and blah, 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 blah. Them dudes refuse to run the football. I don't know how they just can be like a team they that plays like in a mouth of Lake Erie. And they have some good running back. Singletary is actually a good back. And uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Zach Moss is a decent back, and they refuse. They don't even try nah. to run the football. If, if, and I'm like, if in you, that division, in that weather, in that city, if you, you can't run. run the football, you're not going to be run. successful. You got to run. Um, look at um, um, San Diego, Los Angeles, sorry, the Chargers. Every, you know, they've had some bad losses. You know, they look good one week inconsistent the next like everybody's been kind of like flip-flopping and being inconsistent so basically it's going to come down to one it's going to come down to coaching um who's healthy going down the stretch and who can start playing consistent football that's what, what, what it's going to come down to but it's just weird like the fact that pittsburgh is even in the hunt don't make no sense because they're awful you see 
Here's the scary part. But they got good coaching. I was just getting ready to say, you know why? Because they got good coaching. Um, we don't have good coaching. And part of my issue with Kevin Stefanski is I think we have good coaching. He just refuses to just coach. Right. He comes to coach and, you know, uh, call plays and talk to AVP every two seconds. Listen, man, I need you to focus because I do think organization. Listen, I'm not a, a sloppy dude, but I'm not the organizational guy. Like, I'm not the the palm pilot email. Yeah, uh, right. I don't, all that ain't me. That's not me. But there are people who are or who do have those things. And I think that Kevin Stefanski is a detailed guy. Right now, like I told you before, I think he's. Uh, I, I remember Andy Andy uh, Baskin saying this on the radio. Uh, well, I mean, he was the coach of the year last year, so I mean, it's, somehow he doesn't know how to coach. That could that's one of the most vanilla, nonsensical statements on the planet. Just because you won a title or whatever last year, not a title, but you won an, uh, an award. The year before, it doesn't mean that you're doing what you did the year before. He's not. Is he doing what he did the year before? No, he's not. You know why he won the coach of the year? It wasn't because he was the best coach in the world. It's because this fool figured out a way to get the Browns to 11 wins. That's it. Like, let's be honest. That's it. Same thing happened with Buffalo a couple years ago. He won the same damn award. Why? Because Buffalo all of a sudden won 11 games. So I'm not saying that the dude ain't a good coach because I think you still got to know what you're doing to pull it right. off. 52,000 coaches in here since 1999. And none of those dudes were able really to figure it out. Sands a couple of them, you know, and they couldn't figure it out multiple years in a row. So right. now we actually have a, a coach that has us semi-figured out in how we're going to move forward. If you would just relent and give AVP, a guy you hired, the play calling, let him call the plays and you still get some input, but the game planning is him. I'm focused on keeping these 12 dum-dums off the field. I'm focused on making sure everybody understand this is a, a onside kick. Get your ass out the way. I need to focus on how many timeouts do we have? My guys look gassed. My guys look like they spent. I need to use one of these timeouts. What is it? Seven, eight minutes. Yeah, we can, we can spend one of these timeouts. That's fine. Right. I need you to be aware of that stuff because I do understand that at some point, whether it's in a, game to figure out if we're going to the going to go to the playoffs if it's a game where we're going to figure out if we're going to win a, a, a division if it's a game in a divisional round in a wild card game or in the AFC championship or ultimately in a Super Bowl I need a coach that's aware of what's going on at all times I can't have you all over the place I can't have you missing something because you was looking at something else. 
And I think we're missing that because this dude won't just give up the, the freaking play calls. It, it and, not, and the fact too, man, like that really, when you think about it, the fact that your 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 leaders on your team are really calling out, calling you out publicly says a lot because that usually doesn't have even you you know we've seen some bad coaches we've seen Shermer and all these other jokes that came through here and I really don't remember players really openly calling them out and they're calling out they wouldn't say nothing they wouldn't say nothing yeah they wouldn't say nothing at all but but they're they're calling out um Stephane now it could be you know people would say okay they're losing faith in him um but you want to look at it from different perspectives. I know people might think this might be sound a little weird, but it could be that the reason why they're doing it because it's like, hey, we know the potential that you have as a coach and that we have as a team. Mm-hmm. We know what you can do, mm-hmm. but you ain't listening to us when we're trying to talk, you know, or we're trying to say, maybe maybe we got to do this to, to get your attention because we know what we can do. Yeah, that's we what I'm saying. We know we got the talent. Look, you that's know? what I've been saying. I know I was kind of killing them last year, but it was agitating me so much because I could see this kind of stuff. Right. Or I thought You're I was right. seeing this kind you of did. stuff. And, and, and it turned out that the stuff that I thought I saw was kind of real. Like I'm like, no, mm-hmm. this gotta you gotta do this stuff because we're gonna end up in this same dumb spot. I don't want to get to the ceiling and not be able to bust through the ceiling. And I think this guy has the ability for us to bust through the ceiling with him or because of him. But I need him, as you would say, you, I mean, I think last week's show and this week's show, you called this dude stubborn at least 42 times. I think that couldn't be more accurate though. I need this guy to not be so stubborn and not be so caught up in what he thinks he's good at. Cause I'm good at a lot of stuff. I really am. I'm good at a lot of stuff, but then there's things that, I'm really not good at or not as good at. Like I would be better if I had an assistant or I would be better if I had somebody that censored me. You know, last time you said blah, blah, blah. You don't need to say, don't say that again. You know what I mean? Like you need, why the president has assistants. Why do you think the president has assistants? People to keep them on par. Most presidents don't write their own speeches. They got a speech writer. Right. Be the damn head coach. You need to be the head coach. It's not many people who are head coaches and offensive coordinators and or defensive coordinators who still are as successful and win Super Bowls. We talk I mean, about look at Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians is an offensive guy and a former play caller. And he and had to give it up. He handed off the, to, to, to Lethbridge. As a matter he of fact, to. you know, he got two, he got a Two coordinators out there between Leftwich and, and Brady and, and, and Brady. <laughs> you know, if you recall when he was in Arizona, he didn't want nobody else calling his place. It was just him, and it didn't work out as well. It didn't work out as well. He lucked up because he has some great. He has a really good team, but sometimes, man, you need that other eye. You need that other person especially the person that you trust, the person that you trust. And my guess is you hired AVP. My guess is you hired Bill Callahan. So you trust them. A guy that you trust to tap you on your shoulder and say, yo, 
you know what we really need to do? We need to do this. Or this is a good spot for this player or that player. It can't be, or I shouldn't say it can't be, but it shouldn't be a situation where you're fighting, allowing these guys to do the job you hired them to do. Like that to me right. is ridiculous. But my fight against that is generally about uh, making the attempt of, of, of saying, hey, Kevin Stefanski, usually I'm, you know this, usually I'm calling for a coach's job. <laughs> I'm not even calling for your job. I haven't all year long. I was mad at you last year. I was angry at you last year. This year I was like, okay, I got to articulate that better. I don't want to just be the angry guy. I want people to understand what I think I see or what I think right. um, should be happening. So, bro, I don't want you to get fired. However, I want the head coach to fire the offensive coordinator, <laughs> which is for the offensive <laughs> That's what I want. Right. I want the head coach to fire the offensive play caller, not the offensive coordinator, the offensive play caller. So let Alex Ramphill offensive coordinator call the freaking plays please and thank you i think we'd be better off if you had eyes in other places so that you can focus on making your team better so that you don't lose your players so that the team actually believes in you because baker mayfield people will say baker had a great game baker ain't had no great game he had a basic game his number you look at his numbers basic the same numbers he always has Two touchdowns, one pick, under 200 yards, 20, uh, 20 reception. I mean, uh, 20 completions. That's basic. There's nothing overwhelming about those numbers. So it's not like you're calling these grand plays, bro. Our offense is like 20th in the NFL. You. You think you're doing a good job? You think that's that's gonna be a super? Bowl? It's not. I want to win. I know I look like I might be younger, uh, minus this white hair on my damn face, but I'm not that young, and we're not that healthy, and we drink too much because we in the 17 week period. Of the <laughs> right. You don't understand. Exactly. Come on, man. I need to see my team. Win and compete at Super Bowls and in playoffs year after year. Yeah, it's a lot of stress coming to Cleveland. People think you can come to Cleveland and just this is my argument against Baker. Baker, oh man, I don't see a whole lot of winning. I don't give a shit about what you're talking about, dude. You, you ain't want shit. Let's be honest. We ain't want shit. We went to the playoffs. Okay, good. What'd you do after that? Oh, you lost? Okay. We used to that. Do something right. we ain't done. Exactly. Do something we ain't done. Get us there. Don't just be sad. And that's what makes me mad. People think I'm mad about Baker. I'm mad because Baker's satisfied with the little bit of winning we've done. Nah. Get better and do more. Because I'm sick of this little bit of winning. I'm sick of the two or three and uh, four game wins of per season. I'm sick of it. And I know right. my partner is sick of it. We tired of that stuff. We've seen it. We've had it happen. 
and we know that nothing comes of it but more misery going into the next season, especially when you don't even draft the right people after that. So we need to get beyond that, and especially now. Now we're screwed because now we're at least good enough to be mediocre, which okay, which means that by being mediocre, we don't even get the first top ten pick. <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. We we pick it on at twenty now, you know, somewhere from sixteen to twenty-two, which means you got to be front office. You got to be more locked in to what is going on. We don't want to see that kind of stuff. I think these guys are locked in front office wise. Like the, the, the previous regimes would have skipped over a player like JOK. Mm -hmm. So to get this guy in the draft lets me know that they want to try to win. This dude can stay healthy and we can keep going out here getting other pieces to just shore up what we already have. We got a team and I just need a coach. As my partner just pointed out, that that's poignant as hell because ultimately it does fall into the coach's lap because we got the talent. The talent is out there. The talent out there. Yeah, I'm telling Even you that, that what it's going to, like this this year more than ever, these playoffs, sometimes, you know, you're going to have a bad coach and the talent kind of just supersedes how to coach, you know, you know how bad a coach is coaching. Not this year. Uh, for one thing, your boy Bill is on a mission. Like Tom Brady won that oh, Super Bowl you. last year without him. Oh, like Bill Belichick is coaching his ass off, and he's determined to to show that he can win without Brady. They're like in competition with each other. Um, but like now more than ever, down the stretch in the playoffs, coaching decisions, clock management, game management, and health are going to be the major factor points on how well you do. I'm um, either getting into the playoffs and how and how well you do in them once you get there. Uh, like I said, it's a lot. When you watching these games, it's a lot of bad coaching, a lot of questionable decisions going on. And and really um, listening to um, Phil Sims and Cower and Cyrus uh, in the day, um, they were kind of dogging analytics. You know, they were saying oh, that. Gosh. A, yeah, this, they were like saying a lot of, these teams are making decisions based on analytics. They was like, what happens to using your gut instinct? I thought Bill Cowher was going to have an aneurysm, dog. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was going to jump jump over the table and, and punch Boomer Esiason. And Boomer, and Boomer was really, they was really agreeing with each other. But, hey, but, but, but Bill Cowher, this might, might have been the first time since he's not been on the sideline that I saw the chin come out, like the full, like, mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm angry and I'm kind of, he wasn't frothing at the mouth like we've seen him do, but he was not happy. He said, he said, that's, he flat out, he dogged out hardball. He was like, that ain't yeah. even a football decision. What what happened to doing regular football stuff? You put your team in the best position to win. And putting your team in the best position to win, you kick that extra point. Now you're only down eight points. You can go for it if you get another touchdown. Like you're not closer because you did that. You still right. need eight points or you still need a touchdown. It, it doesn't matter if you get to eight now or eight later. You're still going to need eight, correct? 
you what just happens to the what happened to the uh, two point conversion placard they used to have? You remember, and it's like in this situation you go for right. two, in this situation you go for one. I guess I guess they threw that out the window. I think they threw it out to try to make it seem because first of all, if you gotta have, I knew there were some coaches, especially some of the old school coaches, they weren't using that dead placard. Like they, they that placard didn't exist for them. Nope, we're going for the one or whatever. We're going for the right. two. That's what we need to win the game. But then you also yeah. have, like nowadays, guys are going for two, whether they down eight or whether they up eight. They'll still right. go for two. You know, just like you'll see guys going for, uh, you see guys going for, you know, fourth down. Like sometimes you just know. Like in my mind, I'm like, it's third and 10. Don't let these dudes get six yards because they're going to go for right. it. Right. They won't go for it. Yeah. Like you got to. Exactly. The game has changed and become a, a situational game. So again, to talk about, and I don't understand how you follow analytics, but also don't understand situational football. You know, situational exactly. football is is right there. It should go hand in hand with that. To me, to me, it should. But I don't know that it does. And, oh, he's and, gone. At least, oh. He yeah, he's gone. See? Game changed that fast. They're up 10 nothing, And we're talking about the Chicago Packers game right now. Yeah, the and Bears is up 10 nothing. Now they're down um, 13. Green Bay came down and scored and it's through a pick six. And now it's 14-10 uh, Green me, Bay. Just that fast. And let me say something else. Because that just reminds me of that, of that pick that Baker threw. Baker actually kind of threw almost two picks. But you can't, you know, the almost don't count because it didn't happen. But uh, the pick that he threw, it did look like they were confused about which route you were supposed to run. Yeah, it was a miscommunication. So I thought, Baker thought my guy was going to go up. He thought Jarvis was going up. Jarvis saw more space and more opportunity towards the outside. I think I'm pointing this out for a reason because we, we talked about where other miscommunications have happened and everybody always, and this is why I brought up the uh, uh, Kurt Warner thing too. We talk about the miscommunication. Listen, we, we're in practice and we talk all the time. That shouldn't be a miscommunication in week 12, 13. It shouldn't be. That shouldn't. Y'all been on the same team with each other for three years. Why you don't know where that dude getting ready to go? And right. vice versa. Why don't you know where your quarterback think you're supposed to be? Now, honestly speaking, when I looked at that, because they showed it like two or three times, I thought Jarvis was right. I thought. That don't mean that Jarvis is right. I just thought he was right to pick because he had to do a beat. And once he jumped the top route, he went inside, which is why the dude was already in the spot because he kind of jumped the top route. Right. So Jarvis cut. Like, yeah, I, I beat him. I got him here. And now I could probably get another five to 10 yards behind him because he jumped all the way over there. And I think Baker just saw the first part of that and threw it. 
all of those things, going back to the culture comment we were making a little bit ago, we got to clean all that stuff up. Because as we're, what you just said made that stand out to me. That one pick that just happened in this game we're watching went from 10 to 7 to 14 to 7. I mean, 14 to 10. It could change just like that. You got to be able to get on the same like page as your guys. And Baker is, Baker got too much bravado and too much, he talks like he the guy guy. Well, then if you the guy guy, you got to make that happen. Like you got to figure those things out. And we got to have everybody on the same page. We got four games left. A, we trying to make the playoffs. But I ain't trying to go to the playoffs and get embarrassed. I'm trying to go to the playoffs and be in the playoffs and get past the, the wild card round, get past the divisional round, get past uh, or get into the, the uh, conference rounds and get past that too, or at least compete in them. I don't want to get into the playoffs just to say we went to the playoffs so that we can uh, go on the road and lose. Exactly. So again, that's me and my macro perspective. I always, <laughs> I know people don't always like that, but that's my, my big ego or my big thoughts to me are, I don't know, I don't know any other way to think because I've seen my team be great and not get where I thought they should have gotten. And I don't want to continue to see that before. And I think we got to ask the team. I don't, I think this team is more talented than the teams that went to the to the championship rounds year after year after year, to be honest. Talent. Yeah, most, most talent-wise, most, most definitely. I would agree with that 100%. Um, that team was just different. They were a team. You know, you had one of the smart, smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. So, all right, man, let's uh, go ahead and give our game balls. If you want to do that, I'll let you go. Um, I'll let you go first. Let me go first. Yeah, uh, go ahead. my first game ball um, is going to go to uh, Denzel Ward. I think he had another great game um, defensively. Matter of fact, um. I'm going to give a game ball to the whole dog on defense, um, period. Yeah, the whole – because they, they've really been stepping up, man. Like, I love the aggressiveness. aggressiveness. I love them, um, you know, getting pressure on a the quarterback. They're starting to move as a unit. They had a few hiccups in the second half, but I blame that more so on the coaching than them. And we discussed that earlier about not using timeouts for them to get collected. Um, but as much grief as I've given Joe Woods in the past, um, you know, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna be fair, and I'm gonna give him praise when it's needed. Love the way he's calling the defenses. I mean, because Lamar Jackson used to give us fits, even though he got hurt this game. But Hundley is a is a Lamar Jackson type quarterback. You know, normally mobile quarterbacks give us all types of fits, and you know they for two games against those guys, man, uh, they've done a, a very good job in containing that. So. Um, that's the game ball I'm giving today. The only one I'm giving to the entire Cleveland Browns defense. Nobody on offense necessarily deserves one at all. So, <laughs> so that's where I am right now. <laughs> they don't. Nobody, nobody on offense. I, 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 I just gonna say nobody. 
I mean, People Jones had a good game. DPJ had a good game. That's funny. That's he did. DPJ played well. Um, I agree. Unfortunately, I, I mean, I'm laughing because I probably wasn't going to say it that way. But I, I, I thoroughly agree with Sean. I think if I was going to give, I'm only giving two game balls. One of them is to Joe Woods, and the second one is to the defense. I think the defense um, – oh, you know what? Giving it to the defense, I'm giving out three. One is to Joe Woods. One is to the defense. They play. They played solidly to – they played great – excuse me, solidly to great all game. They had a lull in the second half that I wasn't 100% happy with that they kind of went off off pace or whatever. But again, we talked about that. And then they picked it up. And when they picked it up, it went right back to what we were expecting or what they were capable of uh, from the first half. So um, shout out to Joe. Shout out to the rest of the defense. And my third one has got to go to Miles Garrett. Uh, I kept saying all season that as many sacks as this dude has. You did say that. He hadn't had a strip sack yet. I ain't seen him do the strip. You know, he ain't opened the strip club, man. Right, right. I'm looking for the strip club. What a strip club, man, Miles. Last year, this dude was strip club champion. He had a strip club on, on every block. Right, now, right, right. You know, this season, he's just been basically all – Tackles for losses and and uh, and just regular sacks. So today, that's why I had to go back and had to had to retain this. Today, the script club opened up. My man opened up the script club. Not only did he open up the script club, he opened up uh, the fumble recovery club, and he opened up the touchdown club. His first career touchdown, and he also with that sack passed Reggie Camp for the most. Uh, sacks in a season on the Browns uh, for the Browns player. So I had to, had to give him his own individual game ball for that. And we all forget about Reggie Cat. Reggie was, Reggie was good. He wasn't great like this, like this kid. He was good. Right. Reggie was good, but he wasn't like this guy. No, this guy, not at all. This guy should get matter, matter of fact, the, 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 13 sacks or 14 sacks Reggie Cat got that season was probably the only sacks he got as a member of the Cleveland Browns for his whole career. But shout out shout out to, to Miles Garrett for breaking that record, man. That's a record that has stood for like over 30 years, which is crazy. And we've had you know, guys in here that we thought were gonna break that Courtney. Uh what's his Courtney name? Brown, the quiet storm. Yeah, yeah. We thought all right. these guys was gonna come in here. Um Barkevious. Yes, Mingo. You know, we thought all these guys was going to come in here and hell, we can even go back a little bit further. You know, uh, I, I just saw this the other day. I forget what year it was, but I saw they were doing a, a, a they were talking about another team, but they were in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And literally at the top of that draft board was a name that I never want to bring up ever again on this show. Mike Junkin. Oh man! <laughs> oh, one of the worst draft picks in the history of the Browns. In the history of the world, the hell with just the Browns. That could have been one of the worst draft picks in the history 
the uh, fact that the fact that you even thought about drafting a player from Duke, you, you knew that was bound to fail from from from. They were talking about Mel Kiper, and they were. It, this was a board that Mel Kiper had put together. That's what it was. I was watching some YouTube stuff uh, during the week, and. <laughs> I said, Mel Kuyper had Mike Junkin at the top of his board. <laughs> <laughs> Any credibility I ever gave Mel Kuyper, right. it's gone. <laughs> so, yeah. Those I don't ones, think Mike Junkin lasted past one season. I, I don't think he lasted past four games. He was awful. Something like that. He was beyond awful. Listen, bro. Man, but. Terrible. But look, Browns. You, you you control your own destiny. I don't have all the mathematics and figures and all the, the different playoff scenarios and all this, but just looking from the outside looking in, it's like if y'all, if you win, you're in. That's an old school saying. You win, you're in. Handle business one week at a time. We got the Vegas Raiders coming in. The Raiders and the Raiders are actually in a free fall right now. I mean, they got their ass beat. They had the nerve. You know, before the game, the dance on the Chiefs logo and they proceeded know. to be down you know 35 to nothing by early in the second quarter. They was down 35 zip. You know what? They did worse than, than try to dance. And I said this was worse. These fools tried to have a team meeting on the logo. <laughs> right. I said, man, right. are y'all kidding me? They all trying to meet up and talk and talk about how we about to get out here on the, on the arrowhead. In Arrowhead, at the fifty-yard line, on the Arrowhead, in Arrowhead, right, and one of the most hostile stadiums in the NFL. So like, that's what I'm saying, man. They, they are ripe for the picking. Next week, Browns, and it's a trap game. Right. You're right. When you kept saying, "Man, they stink, they stink," I'm like, "No, they could be better than we think." This is a classic trap game at this point now. It's it is a trap game. game at this point. Now. It's a trap game. Now, the Raiders always seem to give us trouble for whatever reason. Have. Remember, remember how early in the season, like I was always harping on teams that we were historically bad against. We need to start beating. Um, here's another one. Yep. Team we historically, I can't remember. Like in my in my lifetime, I can remember the Browns beating the Raiders maybe like two times, twice. Maybe, maybe like twice. two or three. Especially if we had to go out to the Coliseum. Oh, we was losing. Yeah. If we had yeah. to go out west and play them cats, we were losing. Um, and I don't know why. I don't, you know, it was a couple of years where I understood why they had Bo Jackson, they had Marcus Allen. I get it. We, ain't no way you all, you know, ain't many teams beating them like that. And we weren't that um athletic at that time. We had a, you know, we were going through some few changes or whatever, but um right. and we haven't really um Played the Raiders that much throughout we history. Man, there's a website. Years, yeah, there's a website um, that you can go to if you Google it. Like, say Browns. What's the Browns' all-time record against XYZ team? And it'll bring you to a website where you can go down and listen, look at the, how the Browns have fared all time against you know each team in the NFL. And against the Raiders, we haven't played the Raiders that much overall. You would think. You know, with them being like an old school franchise as well as us, that we've had more, more run-ins, but we haven't. But they've gotten the best of us, um, yeah, for the most part. Sure. So, sure. so, so, look, Browns, this is a chance for you to 
all the 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 the, the craziness that's going on this season, we can put Turn all that to the back burner. We, we, we can reset. We can always. Like they said, it's always Monday. It's always tomorrow. We can, we can, we can turn this thing around. Today was a first step towards that. A lot of people didn't think that you had a shot of winning this game today. Um, I tell you, when I was downtown earlier, I was doing like some some Uber and Lyft. Um, you know, people were real subdued. You know, going to the game. You know, because people didn't think you know that they they could win. Like yeah, right, exactly. Know what to expect. So now you got a little bit of momentum. Uh, you know, Saturday, Saturday football, Saturday afternoon football. You're on national television. Four twenty-five. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's a, it's a conference game, so let's we step it up. Have, we don't have, and you know, this is what I was trying to tell a couple of guys a little bit ago. They're like, "Oh man, the Browns made a huge jump." I said, "Yeah, well, one damn loss against a conference foe, and we yeah, got three <laughs> against conference guys." <laughs> So we right. cannot lose to the conference guys. Like Sean said a little bit ago, if we do lose, let's try to make it to the uh, the Packers. Let's not let it be to uh, you a know these other guys sort of. uh, to, to the to the Steelers, to uh, the Bengals, and to uh, the the Raiders. Right. We, we were talking about this earlier, man. Um, that that playoff board changed dramatically today. Like Cincinnati was riding high, and they they lost in the overtime. They blew a game today. Now they they're seven, all the way right? off the. Uh, huh? Are they they in seventh place, right? Or are they behind us? I think they're behind no, us. No, they, they they're behind us. They, they they fell off the board. Yeah, I mean, they and fell we off were the hunt board. Which, which we weren't even on the board because they they stopped. Yeah. So in the morning, this morning we weren't even on the board. Now we're. We went from eleven to to seven. I mean to eight. So we jumped like that. Spots. Yeah, and it's it's possible. Everybody, I know we were. Uh, neither one of, of us. I, I we're not going to even act like, you know, towards the middle of, of this season that either one of us thought we were making the playoffs. I think I wrote us off. Uh, one of those losses we had. I was like, that's it. We're done. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> but I was like, "That's it, man. We suck." And right. no playoffs happening, you know. Yada yada yada. It might have been after the Patriots game. It, it might have been just because of how it happened. You know, losing forty-five to seven. But uh, you know, we're, we're we're still in the hunt, and let's uh, let's see what happens, man. Again, one thing about us, we're gonna be fair. And we're going to be open. We're going to have a discussion. We ain't finna have this. Like, this was really what I wanted in my in my show. I didn't want to have no pom-pom cheering session about the Browns. I wanted to be fair. But I also wanted to to, to be able to feel like, as a, as a fan, I got a show that if I was sitting at home, I could listen to it and be like, yep, yep, yep. And I know it's two people that could bring that to everybody who's listening. And that's myself. That's my partner over there, uh, Big Sean. So shout out to the Browns. Shout out to the Browns defense. Offense, y'all need to figure it out. Um, I think we've – Sean and I have already dissected what the problem is. Um, we just need Kevin Stefanski to, to fire uh, the play caller. That's all. If he fires the play exactly. caller, Everything else, I think, will settle itself. Because he's even screwing up for Nick Chubb. 
Chubb will never be a number one uh, running back in the league as he should, not with this offense. He's just going to always be right there in the top, but he ain't going to never be number one. We need somebody who understands that you got superstars. That's what I kept saying about Joe Woods. Got to understand you got superstars. Use them. Use these guys. You got talented guys. So use your talent. Uh, So next week against the Raiders, I got a lot of fans, uh, excuse me, a lot of friends that are uh, Raiders fans and a lot of guys that I know in Vegas that are they already hit me up earlier today. Yeah. I'll, give the, I'll give the Raiders fans credit um, because Raider fans, they'll follow their team no matter what, what city they like move to. They, they better than us. Yeah, yeah they still with it. Yeah, they way, way better than us. They better than us. They better than the Baltimore fans because when the Colts went to Indy, they didn't follow them. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Like, But that's no. reason. At least they kind of move within the same region. Like, but I don't know that I would follow the Browns if they move to Columbus. I might be mad. No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, you know exactly. I, mean? I would have did the Columbus Browns. I wouldn't follow <laughs> the Columbus. Not at all. Well, you go right ahead, Columbus Browns. Because <laughs> right. I ain't for you. But uh, yeah, it's all good. Um, you wanna you wanna have a have a small discussion about the Cavs, real quick? Sure. Um, so, shout out to Debbie Biggerstaff and the Cleveland Cavaliers, man. They, they're making me eat my words because I said at the end of the season, um, to be honest, I said that the Cavs have a good coaching staff, that they're going to play hard. Yeah, they ran back another, what was that, a kickoff return, punt return. I think that's two they just ran back. Yeah, that's crazy. The floor is sick over there. Um, but I said, um, regards to the Cavs, that um, they're going to play hard. JB is, is a good coach, mm-hmm. but the roster just looks flawed. Because the thing that the reason why I said that is because the Cavs had a lot of bigs. You had three seven footers when they're starting lineup, and I was like, right. the NBA isn't played that way. Like they don't run through their bigs anymore. And what JB has been brilliant in doing is playing through his bigs and not in the traditional way necessarily having guys posted up, but he's finding other ways to get these guys touches and in, 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 in great scoring opportunities, man. Like the Cavs are fun to watch. They got heart. Uh, they play hard every single night. Um, and I've been, I've been highly impressed and, um, you know, we still can't really compete with the Golden States and the um and the and the Phoenixes. Not not on a regular, not on a consistent basis. But as far as like, you know, the other middle teams for the Orlando's, the Washington's, um, Indiana, those type of teams. So we beat them. I mean the Cavs are we beat yeah, them. The, two out yeah, we're starting to blow those teams we beat out. Them two out of three. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so um, you know, uh, barring any significant injuries going forward, um, I think this team's gonna make the playoffs, which they need. They need that experience. And uh, like I said, it's just been been a pleasure to watch. Man, they're playing team basketball. You know, so sure. And I mean, and and this kind of uh, you 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 brought this up uh, before about this team. I mean, you know, a because of the coach. The coach is a is a is a very a tough kind of coach. So you said off off rip that they was gonna play hard. 
when we both when we when we did our you know kind of synopsis of what we thought the Cavs were going to do we both said that they might compete for we said that last year we said that this year that they might compete for the eighth spot the one right. thing that we were all confused at and I damn sure know I was was having four to potentially five seven footers on a team like I didn't understand the purpose and the point simply because simply because the game wasn't played that or isn't I'm sorry played that way right the game isn't played with that many big guys unless all of these big guys are shooting three pointers or something like that where you create that uh disadvantage we got two of the three of these guys two of the four of these guys that play underneath the rim almost exclusively uh and Jared Allen and uh Evan Mobley but Mobley also has you know a decent 15 foot uh shot yeah he's not, yeah right and he's not like fluent from the three point line but he's he's he spaces the floor enough to allow you know Darius Garland and when Sexton was healthy to get to you know get to the rack of Coral to get to the rack but they're a tough playing team and they create a lot of uh, opportunities for themselves because they play good defense. So, uh, again, yeah, shout I out just about to bring that up, man. Defensively, uh, they've been playing excellent, you know, with, and that's with where the Rams. Uh, I think the turn starts yeah. with defense because, you know, you got guys, you got the seven footer, so you don't get those easy looks. You know, you got two exactly, and, and and you can see the team getting confidence with every game too. Yeah. You even got a coral just you know threes, um, you know, pulling up with no conscience. You know, you can tell he's feeling more confident in his shot. Um, Garland has made leaps and bounds this year. Uh, Ricky Rubio was was been a big surprise yeah. when we picked him up. Yeah. Like, why are we picking him up? I thought I thought the same thing, but I knew why they were picking him up. I didn't. I didn't expect them to pick pick him up out of. Oh, he can get us ten to twelve points a game. I thought they right. were picking him up as a small point guard to give the guys that we have on the team some professionalism and some because Rubio's a hardworking guy. So I thought that was a professional pickup. You know how we talk when we talk about the Indians. I always talk about a professional bat. I right. think. This, equivalent of that You're picking up a guy yeah. that's been around the league and that gets it from top to bottom i ain't got to talk to him he's gonna be the first guy in last guy out he's gonna go to the to you know the training table he's gonna go to the meetings you know what i mean like i don't have to talk I to agree. Him. you gotta have those types of guys in the building especially when you have a young backcourt uh you know like uh uh Garland and Sexton. And now with Sexton being hurt, my hope is that through him being hurt, that when he comes back, that he'll start, he'll see that I don't have to be the guy that just takes the ball over and has to be the guy. I need to come here and understand these guys can play too. Because this team can play. And right now, the, the contract situation that he's in, Sexton, Hell, you could be expendable, homie, because this team is exactly. working. Right you know what I mean? Like the Cavs are in a, in a rare good spot within, you know, without having LeBron and Kyrie and all these guys on the team. 
The Cavs and speaking of LeBron, that that would be if the Cavs can make the playoffs this season, that would be huge for the franchise. Oh, no matter what happens in the playoffs, no matter what happens next year or the year after that, it's like okay, now you started the the true rebuild process, and you can see some type of progress where you guys just said they said that the Cavs haven't been in the playoffs without LeBron since 1998. Yeah, they haven't. That's insane. That Think about it. That was with uh, I remember because I was at that first game. Uh, hey, Sean I, Kemp. Got, I had just gotten out the service. Yeah, Sean Kemp. We had uh, Brevin Knight. Woo! Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, we had Brevin Knight, <laughs> who was awful. <laughs> he sure was. You had uh, Cedric Brevin Henderson. Brevin was Derek Anderson. Yeah, Bill Gauskas. Oh, uh, we had, you know what? We had a Gauskas and we had, uh, what's the other kid? Batopinko. Batopinko. Batali Batopinko. Yeah. Yeah. So we had, we had seven footers back then, too. Only one of them was decent, though. <laughs> right. Batopinko was lazy, man. <laughs> you know, he ended up being a coach. I think he's still a coach. Oh, really? I know he, he left. Like an assistant he coach in the, in the league. Yeah. I knew he had left. I think he went to Boston or something. Or Atlanta. Uh, yeah, but he, he's an assistant coach somewhere. Or at least he was. I mean, sure. He he was a solid. He was actually a solid big. He just was he late. Was. I think he just wasn't been consistent. Better. I think right. he could have been way better. Like, Z, was, Z wasn't lazy. If Z was healthy, Z would have had a much better career. Right. You know, Still but had a good an outside shot. I think him getting hurt helped him develop that outside shot like that. Like that was right. that was key to him having longevity being seven foot one. So uh shout out exactly. to Z. Z, my guy, man. I love Z. And that's saying a lot because I always say we love mediocre guys. He's probably the most mediocre player, so to speak, that I actually love. I actually love Z. Z is my guy. Z yeah. my guy. Yeah, man. He, he gave he gave us all every night and fought through a lot of issues. Listen. I don't care how mediocre lot, he was, enemies. he gave us every bit of his mediocrity every single night. Like he wasn't, he didn't go out there like, yo, I'm gonna give y'all 35, but I'm I could go out here and get 35. Z was that guy. And I loved that about him. He was Cleveland all day. And then he left and came back and still was about Cleveland. Yeah. So exactly. We love we, as you see, what shirt I got on? Cleveland. When you go, what hat I got on? Cleveland. When you leave and you say I ain't even from here but I gotta be in Cleveland because I understand you know the atmosphere I understand the environment here in Cleveland I love it as a as a Cleveland fan and as a Clevelander I always love it so shout out to Z shout out to JB and that squad man these guys are balling they're on a three game win streak um, keep it going fellas um, let's see what let's see what happens I think the sky's the limit if they get Sexton back, personally, at least this season. Yeah, I think he's, he, he's been ruled out for the season. And did he get ruled out for the season? Yeah, he I got ruled he, out. I didn't know. Yeah, if they, said, they said that yesterday that he was ruled out officially. Okay. okay. I didn't know if he got the, if he decided to get the surgery. I knew they said he could play without it, but that makes sense. Go ahead and get the surgery, get yourself all the yeah, way back. Yeah, get, 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 get better. Ain't no use of push, especially. You you trying to get that contract too? You don't want to force yeah. it. Press it. Yeah, yeah. Get yourself all the way right. 
and then come back because he'll still be here next year, I'm sure. And then, yeah. uh, you know, go from there. And I think the sky's the limit once he does get back, though. I, I still yeah. was hoping, I hope that he could come back there. I didn't hear that he had gotten. Right. I, I, I agree with you 100% in regards to him. So, all right, man. Well, let's go ahead and wrap things up for this week's edition, unless you have anything further that you want to contribute. I got nothing. All right. So, you can follow us on Facebook at Two Guys in the Mic 216. That's also our handle on YouTube and Instagram. Um, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor. Uh, what am I missing? That's it. I don't think I'm missing anything. That's it. So we had two guys in the mic. Oh, did you say iTunes? Yeah. I said, okay. well, I said Apple Podcasts. So iTunes too. So on um, the podcast side, we are two guys in the mic. So look for the little basketball logo. Um, if you look for it, there are several other two guys in the mic. I don't think they're active at all, but still. But if you're looking for us, we're two look for the basketball. Logo. Two guys in the mic, 216. So, however, shout out to all those folks. We just got our analytic numbers back. So shout out to all y'all who are listening uh, between the one and the five o'clock hour, uh, a.m. that is. So a lot of you third shifters are some of our biggest fans. That's right. awesome. Either that or, e- or either that you're listening while you're going to sleep, which is fine as long, long as you're listening. <laughs> yeah, whichever, whichever, whichever way, whatever, <laughs> whichever, whatever way. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we we thank you guys for for even hitting the play button, for even scrolling through whatever uh, medium you're on, looking for two guys in the mic. We we greatly appreciate it. Um, we just want to just continue to to, to build and uh, keep putting out great content exactly so again so we'll catch you guys love you too we'll catch you guys next time and go browns go Cavs, go guardians go buckeyes peace out peace You've just listened to Two Guys in a Mic with your hosts Ron Pierce and Sean Davis. Tune in to us later on this week as our midweek podcast will be streaming. Until then, peace.